You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name is Royal Howell, my co-host Terrence Hatchett, and we have another special co-host today, ladies and gentlemen. He is back for his second appearance on the Two Shades of Blue podcast, Carolina Blitz, on Ben Ridlinger. Welcome, Ben, to the Two Shades of Blue, man. Welcome back, brother. How you doing, man? Thanks. Doing good. Happy to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got a lot, a lot of hot takes today. Um, we're going to start off with the Panthers trading for your own, New York's own, Charlotte's new own, Panther starter quarterback, Sam Darnold. Terrence, Ben, give me your thoughts on the trade. Um, did the Panthers get lucky? Who got the better end of the deal, in your opinion? Um, like I said, did the Panthers get lucky on not giving up their eighth-round pick this year coming up for the 2021 draft? Uh, give me your thoughts on the trade, man. Starting with you, Ben. Uh, set us off, man. Yeah, Sammy D and Charlotte. You know, um, I like I like the trade a lot. You know, there, certainly there's a lot of other options the Panthers were looking at going into the offseason. You know, Deshaun Watson being first and foremost. But after some of the people, you know, that, you know, went like Matt Stafford that we were in for, we would have given up some more first rounders. Um, you know, some of the other quarterbacks out there, like, you know, Dalton, I don't think was really someone that I would have been happy about. Um, I kind of like, uh, you know, ha having Sam Darnold uh, aboard here in Charlotte. I think we got him at a pretty good value, um, you know, only a six rounder this year, um, you know, so that early six rounder because our position. Actually, I even think it may have been the comp uh, compensary uh, picks us even like a, a late six rounder this year. So next to nothing this year, draft capital wise, second to fourth in 2022. If we finish, you know, middle of the pack, you know, or, you know, in the playoff hunt, that's sort of like a, a mid round pick for both those picks. And for me, you know, when you compare the other options we had left, it was pretty much either we're going to stick with Teddy Bridgewater, which it was clear David Tepper did not want. He was, he had seen, you know, Teddy Bridgewater play and he was ready to move on with how active he was in the market. And I think Donald represents good value for us. When you look at his salary for this year, $4 million cap hit, combine it with his next year, a fifth year option that we picked up, I think it's like $18 million. That's pretty much what we'll be paying Teddy this year if he starts week one for us, it's like 20 million plus dollar cap hit. So it makes sense economically. They're about the same level, um, you know, of player, I think Darnold is still younger um, and, you know, has potential. A lot of players, including Robbie Anderson, after they have left New York, have been much, much better players after, you know, especially after leaving, you know, Matt Gase as the head coach. And um, I, or, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it's going to be a really good move for us. Um, Adam Gase, actually, not Matt Gase, I'm thinking it's been a long day. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good move for us. I think that it doesn't necessarily take us out. I, I believe our GM, when he says that we're still in for potential quarterbacks in the draft, um, like Justin Fields, if you were to fall to us, or if someone that they deem a good option, like you said, we get to keep that, you know, eighth round or eighth overall pick this year. And, um, you know, if something were to happen with Deshaun Watson, um, in Peter King's recent article the other day, how he said of all the teams that were interested, you know, pre, you know, allegations and things coming forward. The Carolina Panthers are the one that are still potentially interested depending on what happens. So I could very easily see David Tepper 
even after getting Sam Darnold going out and, you know, because we kept those first round picks, you know, and didn't spend them, trading those away and, and working a deal for Deshaun Watson. You know, they wouldn't get like the three first rounders like they probably wanted to, but with everything going on, that price may have gone down and maybe we can get them for like, you know, Matt Stafford prices, which I think given his talent level is a steal, um, you know, it, it will be a great deal for us. And then you have both and you can try to get some return for Darnold or move him on, but either way, it's clear that Tepper wants a quarterback. He said multiple times how important the position is uh, for us. And he wants to, you know, try to have as many options as possible and keep us flexible um, to doing that. I think that just having the possibility of having to give up so much in the draft to potentially trade up to, you know, being not 100% guaranteed that a quarterback would fall to us at eight, it was worth it to get Sam Darnold. Um, and it gives us flexibility to get a huge playmaker in, at number eight, like, you know, Kyle Pitts, if he falls to us, one of those top offensive attackers, like I, I talked about last time, Panay Suell or Rashawn Slater, um, or even I saw Mo Cupper's, uh, you know, recent mock draft today. Um, I think he, he had us getting Smith from Alabama. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of great talent on the board. If you can get Smith can- from Alabama, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Speaking of playing with better talent, Tanners, in your opinion, you know, Darnold, um, he has that connection with Robbie Anderson back from the Jets, um, but he's never had this type of weapons that he has in Charlotte with, you know, arguably the best running back in football, McCaffrey, a healthy McCaffrey, speaking of, um, a nice receiving core. Um, do, you know, you don't have Curtis Samuel anymore, but you still have a formidable uh, offensive threat. Um, and, you know, your re- receiving core and, you know, one of the best running backs in football. Um, the offensive line, that's argu- you know, that, that's an argument for a different day right now. Um, but, he's in a better situation and you've seen players in the past that go to different situations that um, just need a break from, you know, speaking of Gase, you know, Gase has did crap for the Jets. Um, Just a lot of times just best get into better situations. Um, And him coming to Charlotte, you know, he's only been in the league with three years. Uh, He's what under 25 years old. Um, You know, you get him these type of weapons, you get in Charlotte in a better conference uh, per se, uh, a more competitive conference in my opinion, um, is it a better look for him to be in, you know, a Panther uniform? Um, is it? Can you see the Panthers making some type of moves this year, um, being competitive in NFC South? Um, what's your opinion on Darnold being in Charlotte? Because um, I saw you were very vocal after the trade went down uh, with Darnold being in a Panther uniform. And T, you are one of the ones that really speak your mind when you see stuff that doesn't really sit well with you. Does Darnold make sense in Charlotte? Um, how fast can you see Teddy B getting out of town? What's your thoughts on the whole trade, man? Give me your thoughts. Well, um, hold on, I'm pulling up some stats. Uh, well, as far as Teddy Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater is doing, uh, the report came out, Boost Report, talking about the relationship. Even before this trade has been severed, you know, with the Matthew Stafford talks and then some of the things that Tepper said about, you know, the quarterback play and, you know, that they were going to keep the options open. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater – is done in Charlotte. Um, hopefully we can find a trade for him so we don't have to cut him and take that cap hit because that would be a pretty big cap hit uh, to take. We just have to flat out just cut him. As far as Darnold, uh, I mean, the trade, we didn't give up too much for the trade, but my question is, is I know the Jets are a mess, but uh, Ben, I can ask you, uh, what is one thing that Sam Darnold, like what's one skill that you've seen Maybe that he, you know, he's showing flashes up with the Jets, but what is like one skill that he is? You can say that he's good at because I just don't know. Um, you know, it's really, I honestly say with Darnold, 
he, he hasn't had consistency for sure. And I think a large part of that is because of Gase and because of just being not put into position to succeed, having no offensive line, having his weapons taken away. Like Robbie Anderson, you know, is a great you know connection with him. And they say, oh yeah, you know, they had a great special connection. Let's let him walk in free agency. So you know, that's there. And then he is like, you know, kind of sneaky athletic, you know, that you had that huge play where I think he had like a 50, 60 yard rushing touchdown, I think maybe against the Ravens. I can't remember exactly who I think was in one of the night games I was watching. That was prime time, but you know, he, he can run. Um, he's had been having a run with no offensive line and, you know, when given protection, uh, he's able to th- throw the deep ball. I know some of his stats for the deep ball haven't been the best, but that's been where he's been chucking it up where he's about to get blasted uh, and doesn't really have the time to deliver. So, I mean, he's still young. He's, he's only 23. It's crazy to think he's been the year, the league three years, but he's 23 and I think that athleticism, uh, he's shown some, you know, has a d- decent arm. I think especially, you know, I just think back to Teddy, you know, Bridgewater throwing up those, you know, you know, prayers to DJ Moore and DJ having to slow down to try to get to it. I think Darnold's going to have a lot better time connecting with both Robbie Anderson, just from evidence of that season with them in 2018, they're doing great. Uh, and same with DJ Moore as well. You know, I think his stats in New York don't necessarily support um, you know, say like uh, at the, on the face of it, think like, oh, this is a great guy, but you have to take into account this whole situation he was in with it. I don't understand. Oh, my fault, bro. No, I was going to say, I'm looking at his stats, and you know, his rookie year, you know, uh, 50s about 58 percent completion percentage, which you know, rookie year isn't too bad for a rookie. 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Year two, uh, 13 games, about 62 percent completion percentage. 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, six fumbles. And then last year in 12 games, about 59.5%, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And I understand that the, um, you know, the Jets are a bad franchise. But my thing is, you know, you mentioned the $18 million cap hit next year. And we've seen that teams recently that have gone far in the playoffs and even been to Super Bowls have been with guys on rookie contracts. And there are some talented quarterbacks in this draft. And, you know, my thing, my biggest issue with the Sam Darnold trade is that $18 million cap hit next year. And then do we resign him after next year versus signing a quarterback on a rookie contract and using more resources and assets toward other areas of need to build this team up? Um that's really my main thing with this trade. I mean, yeah, he's 23, and Ben, you're right. He is more athletic than Teddy. He has a stronger arm than Teddy. But we just haven't seen the consistency yet. And um, we're still a team that's not necessarily like as in bad of a rebuild as the Jets, but we're still a team in transition. And to answer your question, uh, do I think Darnold can make us competitive? It all depends on how we build around Sam Darnold now at this point, uh, what we do with our eighth pick in the draft. Do we draft – a Kyle Pitts to give him a big, large target across the middle with wide receiver athleticism. We build the offensive line with, uh, you know, Sewell and Slater. Um, do we draft another slot receiver in the second, third round, maybe? Or uh, I think Mel Kuyper had us taking Devontae Smith in his latest mock draft today. It really is going to depend on how we build the roster around Sam Darnold. He does have some talent, like you said, Ben. He has some flashes of athleticism. He does. So he can't push the ball down the field. We just haven't seen it consistently. That's why I asked, what has he done? Like one skill he's good at. For example, for I'll give you a guy that's, in my opinion, like similar to Darnold. Uh, you know, let's take Jameis Winston, for example. 
we know he throws a lot of interceptions, but we also know that he has arm talent, like serious arm talent. He makes a couple of throws a game that only about five or six other quarterbacks can make. That's why I asked the question earlier. Like, what has Dar- what has Darnold like shown like in flashes that makes you be like, okay, I can buy it. Maybe we can build him back up because this is going to be not necessarily a project for Joe Brady, but Joe Brady's going to have to really build his confidence back up. The Jets have flat out probably just ruined this guy so far, and he definitely needed to change the scenery. But um, I just, in my opinion, I haven't seen I've, – I've seen a little bit of athleticism and push the ball down the field, but not necessarily on a consistent basis. But, okay, I can buy into that skill set. Maybe we can build around him. I just haven't seen it yet, me personally. And I'll be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of Jets games because they're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the Jets are yeah. dreadful. I mean, I watched, I've watched them a couple times, but um, they're, they're terrible, man. Like, and then they one are, time, I, only, I only watch them in prime time just because of fantasy. If I've got like you know, Jameson Crowder or someone on my team, I'm, I'm like, that's the reason I'm up late watching it. Just like, all right, but I agree. I mean, they're, they're rough to watch for sure. Yeah. They and are then it was one Monday night game. I think it was in 2019 where they were playing New England and Belichick had Darnold so shook. He said he was seeing ghosts out there. Yeah, <laughs> I remember made that. media headlines all over television. Yeah. I, mean, I, I agree with you. When you see the trade that goes down, the first thing that comes to your mind is how exactly does Sam make the Panthers better? I mean, he was 13 25 the last three years, but two and 10 last year, uh, completion rate less than 60%. I mean, he's ranked, I think he had the lowest pass rating in the NFL in all of NFL last season. Yeah, he had like the 33rd ranked QBR out of um, yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's, it's god-awful. So, I mean, like, how exactly does he make the Panthers better? Like like Ben alluded to, yes, if you watch any of the Jets games, which was very uh, sporadic that they even had him on national TV of how bad they were, most of the time you saw him behind center, he was running for his life. So you give him a little bit of better offensive protection on the O-line, a little bit better weapons on the outside, and a nice running game with McCaffrey, who um, presumes is going to be healthy to start the season. Um, the first couple weeks of the season, he's going to be healthy, I believe. Um, I think it's definitely a uh, experiment, to say the least. But the Panthers, it's not a rebuild like the Jets, to say the least. So mm-hmm. it's a better situation, I think, um, playing in Charlotte this year, um, starting a rebuild under Gase and the Jets. I mean, it's just abysmal. I think he's in a better situation. I mean, it remains to be seen. I know a lot of Panther fans don't want to see a rebuild. They're ready to compete and uh, compete for a division title immediately, not, you know, a rebuild. And I understand that completely, especially you're paying Teddy B all this money and um, that cap pit of $18 million next year. I mean, it's, you know, what do you do? Like you said, do you draft the quarterback at eight, Justin Fields potentially, um, or do you try to trade for somebody, or do you try to bring a better in next year, maybe a Winston? I mean, who, who knows? Like, what does the Pan- – you know, what is the Panthers exactly long-term solution right now? Do they can I say something really quick? I think one reason why Rule came out and said that they're still in the running to possibly draft a quarterback is because they are trying to see which team is going to jump at eight to get their guy. I think I saw – I'm looking at the latest mock draft where New England traded up to number 10 to get Justin Fields. Um, And Atlanta traded back, traded down from four to six to get Trey Lance. But now what if – Let's say we are serious about or, is, or you know, we push this, we're going to take a quarterback agenda and we get New England instead of trading up to 10 to trade up to eight and we get something back in return. I think that's one reason why that they um, mentioned that they um, are still possibly in the running to take a quarterback because they're trying to see which team 
is going to feel the pressure to jump to eight. I will say this. Remember the Panthers, they, they tried to trade for Matt Stafford, which that deal completely failed. And, you know, the first three picks, what was it, Jacksonville, the Jets, and San Francisco, all three of those picks are going to be quarterbacks. That's like a pretty much guaranteed now. So it makes it even more uh, a concern for the Panthers' long-term solution is what do you do after this year if – what if what if Donald's a complete bust? Like, let's, let's just say, for instance, the Panthers go with two and – was a 17 game season now two and 15 two and 14 this season what do you do long term because you know next year is an 18 million dollar cap hit what do you do that's 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 a big that's a big question that i think needs to be answered in this draft coming up for sure especially yeah i mean what if what if darnold isn't that much better than teddy was last year for example exactly and we miss out and we miss out my fault go ahead go ahead ben if he's not that much better, that, that that's the end of their calculation. Then he's cheaper. Next this year is only four million. Next year be eighteen million. So that's essentially Teddy's cap it for this year is him spread over two years because he's on the end of that rookie contract. So it makes it a better deal for us. So they're like, Darnold gives us some flexibility cap wise to you know what we could go out and do. You know, I think they'll either trade Teddy or they'll cut him to let make the cap hit as you know a little as possible. They won't let him get to week one. So that'll be maximized. I think they'll make it so they can minimize the cap, but I think down to like five million or something like that by cutting them by a certain point. And it gives that flexibility, like you said, to, to draft someone at eight. And they're looking at, you know, just the teams themselves. Like you said, you know, Jets are really rebuilding. We have been rebuilding, but we're like further into that rebuild already. I think you look at the people we've added on defense last year doing an entire defensive draft. You know, Brian Burns now entering his third year. Jeremy Chin, you know, just balled out. Added some great free agent signings as well, I think, at linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you could easily see if some of these, you know, sort of journeyman free agents can, can kind of work out well for us, that we could be definitely a wild card contender and surprise some people. Because, I mean, for Sam Daughter, for me, is like you look at who his top two receivers and his running back were, the Jets. Frank Gore, Jameson Crowder, and Denzel Mims. Yeah. yeah. Compare it now, CMC. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who was one of his, who is probably his best partnership he's ever had as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it seems like a lot of upside. And honestly, you know, talk about drafting quarterback. I agree because, you know, the rookie deal, you can spread that out. It's great financially. And, and a lot of teams do that. And that's kind of what we're getting with the end of Darnold. You have to get that larger hit in a, in year five, but, you know, I don't think Tepper's really that patient of a guy. He's had a losing season now for a number of years and he's tired of losing. This is why I think, you know, we were in on Stafford because he wants to win now. He doesn't want to necessarily have a project where it's going to take a rookie year to get going. I think there may be one or two rookies, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, if for some reason somehow he was available for us giving up a lot, or Justin Fields, I think, is the other guy that, you know, he, they may you know be considering drafting. But honestly, I think he, he liked the Sam Darnold deal because it allows us that flexibility to keep tabs on Watson if things change. Then that's that is the guy that Tepper wants, without a doubt. He wants Deshaun Watson. And I think Darnold is an upgrade. It's a cheaper option. And like you said, T, it gives him Darnold the best chance and the Panthers the best chance because then, you know, we're able to add some talent uh, to a cheaper option at quarterback with the extra cap flexibility. Yeah. And I'll say this real quick on, you know, Tepper, him being patient. This will be year four of the Tepper era. And the first year, you know, we start six and two. And then unfortunately, Cam got injured, uh, leading, you know, and he took the hit against uh, T.J. Watt, and it kind of ruined that season. And then um, he had the foot injury and tanked that season. And last year was last year. We, um, 
I mean, yeah, Tepper is definitely, uh, you know, he definitely doesn't have much patience, which is why I think this year is going to be a very important year for Matt Rule and Joe Brady because we saw a regression with the offense last year, but a progression surprising with the defense, which we thought was going to be the weakest link. But by the end of the year, the defense was actually, in my opinion, stronger than our offense. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a big year for Joe Brady. A lot of people in the NFL are pushing this Joe Brady as a head coaching narrative. And I just didn't see much from Joe Brady last year for him to even be getting this talk. It's time to put the money where his mouth is and what uh, the media's mouth is. Joe Brady, um, if you can fix Sam Darnold and get him to perform with some of the weapons that we have and we draft some weapons, then all right, Joe Brady, you can go ahead and move on to your next job and or you, you know, his resume will gain some more steam. But if this doesn't work out, is Joe Brady as good as an OC as they hyped him up to be? Because remember, that LSU team had one of the best college offenses of all time. You had Jamar Chase, first-round pick, probably the number one receiver off the board this year. They had Justin Jefferson, top receivers in the draft last year. They had Thaddeus Moss. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a first-round pick. Um my boy BT uh, Marshall, because he, you know, we mentioned LSU last time. We talked about Joe Brady. I forgot about Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall was on that team. I mean, that LSU team was stacked. And then you know, come from New Orleans, New Orleans, Sean Payton. I mean, you know, did Joe Brady really had that much influence in the Sean Payton offense? Like, seriously, like, I mean, I know he had some influence, but you know, was it Joe Brady or was it Sean Payton? I believe it's more Sean Payton than Joe Brady. I mean, Joe Brady did some great things at LSU. But look at the talent that was there. And, I mean, he did, you know, he did elevate Joe Burrow. I will give him that. But last year with, you know, Curtis Samuel, we had four guys that went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, but our offense was regressing as the year went on. And, you know, we'll find out if it was just Teddy or is it on the coaching. We'll find out this year. You know, like you said, Ben, I think Sam Darner is a slight upgrade over Teddy. You know, he's more athletic and has a better arm. So this will really this year really be an indictment on Joe Brady, in my opinion, and also possibly Matt Rule, because like I said, you know, he signed that long t- contract, but Tepper has, you know, in his comments, you can tell he's not very patient. So if things don't progress this year, you know, we'll go into year three of the rule era, and then in the back of Tepper mind, how much more patient is he going to be? So I That's think true. it's going to be a big year for um, Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Who do you guys think we drafted that number eight pick now uh, there? Because, I mean, my personal wish list is if he, if Pitts is there, take Pitts. The man is just a freak of nature, would give us, you know, a Greg Olson-type weapon, a, a receiver that can, you know, complement. is a huge matchup problem for linebackers, um, you know, as, as well as defensive backs because he's, you know, too fast, too big either way. Either that or one of the offensive tackles because, you know, we've, we've got Moten, we signed him back, I think, He's a great option for us on the right. We need to get someone on the left that can be there. So if I think we can get some of Sewell or Slater, that'll be the best thing because we do have good weapons now, but Pitts, Sewell, or Slater, those are my three. What about you guys? I think Pitts makes that offense a little bit more balanced. And I think something that's being underestimated is the health of McCaffrey coming back this year. I think that um, it kind of, was to the default of Teddy B not being able to have that extra running back, a dynamic running back pass and catch out the backfield um, to compliment him last year. Because I think that would have gave the Panthers a few more wins, especially in crunch time situations. Um, that's to say you're going to give him the ball on the one yard line, but that's a conversation for a different day. But I think having McCaffrey in the backfield, 
you have Moore, and then you have uh, Anderson on the opposite side, and then you put Pitts at tight end. I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, and something like like I said, you have McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in football, but you got to protect Sam Darnold. That's you know any any football team. That's the number one key area. Offensive line is the one of the most um, important positions in football. Your, your offensive line. You got to have somebody to block the quarterback. Darnold doesn't know what having any, you know, Darnold's not used to having even three seconds to pass the damn football. So, I mean, you he's put seeing him, ghosts up there. Yeah, he's, yeah like he's seeing ghosts, exactly. So, he's not used to having more than three seconds to pass the football. You have 2,000-yard receivers on the outside. You got a, almost what? <laughs> you got a dual threat running back in the backfield, MVP in my opinion. I mean, like, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious. Go go for pitch, number one. But definitely, I mean, if you could find a, a nice offensive line uh, – Nice offensive lineman and free agency. Make it happen, man. I mean, I'm not sure about the salary cap for the Panthers right now, but go get a nice offensive tackle to complement McCaffrey, Moore, um, Anderson, and Donald. Man, make it happen. Make it happen. I'm going to be brief because we're actually – we have about eight and a half minutes left because, uh, you know, Zoom got us on the time limit. So, I'm going to be real brief. Uh, my number one option is Kyle Pitts, number one. I think he's a game changer. He's a big target. You can throw across the middle. And his wide receiver speed. Uh, Sewell. Um, you know, they mentioned Devontae Smith. I'm going to mention a guy. He could be a sleeper, but he'll just – Jalen Waddle. They say he could be this draft Tyreek Hill. You know, he was injured last year, but, even you know, he's fast, really fast. Um, he could be a, another Tyreek Hill. We can put him in the slot. We can put him anywhere. That's a guy uh, that can be slept on. Um, so, that's what I think real quick. And we have about eight minutes left, so I know it's another topic you want to get into, Royal, so we can um, yeah. go ahead and get um, into it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I want to definitely hit this topic because it really hit a bunch of nerves this week, and I've been seeing pros and cons of the situation. Um, anything dealing with sexual assault, sexual harassment, we, will, we always take serious, um, regardless of what job field you're in. Um, the whole Deshaun Watson uh, saga has been extremely uh, crazy, to say the least. Um, recently, you know, a judge just this past week, I believe Friday, um, ruled in favor of Deshaun Watson, um, basically making his accusers – um, his, you know, the plaintiffs identify themselves. You know, the Sixth Amendment, you want to make sure you want to know who you're, uh, you know, who you're defending yourself against, defending yourself against all accusers, um, non-anonymously. So I spoke to an attorney back in Greensboro, Carol Albright, who sided with Deshaun Watson in the sense saying, hey, if you're in his shoes, you want to know who you're defending yourself against. You have now, I believe, 22 different claims um, coming out against him um, in regards to sexual harassment, sexual assault, um, whatever the case may be, you want to know who you're defending yourself against. I think the judge also said that basically all the plaintiffs' case will be one big case now. So the the problem I have now is, and I'm not choosing to solve it because I don't know all the facts. Basically, everything we're hearing right now is he said versus she said. Um, there hasn't been any type of evidence as of yet that's been made on record um, in the court of law. There's been no charges filed against him. Um, he hasn't been convicted in the court right now. So um, the question I have right now. Um, I've read different things and, you know, what bothers me really the most is the silence from the NFL. Um, we've had, we've seen time and time again in the past where Roger Goodell, um, a player hasn't even been convicted in the court of law yet. And he's placed them on the commissioner exempt list, um, which basically, you know, the, a team can't trade them, sell them, however you want to look. He's basically put into the side. He's, um, I believe, I think, I believe they still get paid when they're commissioner exempt list. Um, but you can't attend any type of team activities as far as like practices. Um, you can work out in the team facilities, I believe, but you can't team um, attend the team practices and meetings. Um, you're basically just waiting for a overall hearing from the court of law or from Roger Goodell if you're convicted 
if you're, um, you know, you know, acquitted, whatever the case may be. Um, the problem I have here is the silence of the NFL. Sexual assault is a big type of deal. Um, you know, we, we like to be sensitive to the plaintiffs, um, regardless if he's innocent or guilty. Um, ben, Terrence, give me your thoughts on the whole Deshaun Watson saga, because, you know, Tepper has made it very clear with all the moves the Panthers made this offseason as far as letting players go, um, trying to create salary cap room to bring Deshaun Watson in, and they trade for Sam Darnold, which is a night and day's um, as far as skill level below Deshaun Watson. But at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson, he's really in a gray area where you don't know what to think. You don't know if he's going to be, um, you know, suspended. You don't know if he's going to be placed on commissioner exempt list. What is your opinion and ordeal to hold Deshaun Watson saga going on right now? All right, I'm going to be real brief because I know we're short on time. So here's a couple of things. One, so far, there's no criminal charges. This is a civil suit. And remember, in a civil suit, the burden of proof is much lower than a criminal suit. Um, just, uh, and then two, the NFL has to do say or something. They, like you said, they've been too quiet and, you know, they can say they're trying to change the culture of football, but they've been eerily quiet, um, in this situation. And I think it's time for them to say something. Um, we've seen a brief statement from the Texans, but nothing really of substance in my opinion. So, you know, it's time for the NFL to, at least say make a statement like you know they have to make a statement at this point um i know it's a we're walking a fine line here and i know they want to you know say too much but you have to say something uh ben what do you think yeah i mean it's a tough one for sure because you know you, you got to be sensitive of course uh you know to the accusers you know it's, uh, the, the tough part right now is we don't know what um you know the evidence is uh, we've only heard you know we've heard in civil court like you said and I think with sort of everything being combined into one trial, I think we'll have a lot more clarity once we get to that point when everything is in one case, um, you know, we have some more clarity on what the full range of charges is. But, you know, I will say I saw that Sports Illustrated article a few weeks ago where you know, that, that for me was the most, you know, detailed evidence I had seen where SI got not only um, the woman to come out, you know, had her name, you know, she put her name on the record, but there were also contemporaneous accounts, you know, from her family, from another friend that SI independently verified. So, you know, that's a whole other level where, you know, it makes me think that you know, there could be something there, but you don't know until everything is, you know, said and done. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real tough one for sure. But I think honestly that, you know, for NFL at this point, I'm not sure really what they could say um, as far as, you know, put, I think it'd be premature to put them on, you know, the commissioner examples at this point because there's not enough evidence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because you go either way still, they're kind of stuck in limbo as well. But I mean, I know the Texans have been making moves. I saw today that they removed Deshaun Watson very quietly from uh, all of their 360 videos, all of their, you know, different more videos, different things on the website. He's been slowly taken off and sort of phased out completely disassociating themselves. So, you know, it, I'm hoping that for all parties involved, there's a quick resolution to it, um, you know, during this summer so that we, you know, both Deshaun and, you know, the Texans, the NFL, everybody can sort of, you know, just know where this is going. I agree. I agree. It's, it's very, it's a very slippery slope. Um, I definitely get your point, Ben, is just, in my opinion, speaking from the outside, looking in like we all are doing right now, 
Um, it's just it's, it's very interesting that the NFL has just been so silent. I know we don't have all the evidence. We don't know what's going to happen. Like you mentioned, the Texans very silently uh, removed him from, you know, the videos like you mentioned. Um, I think the problem I have, we've seen from previous cases, um, especially anything dealing with like any type of domestic violence situations where the NFL has literally placed the players on commissioner exempt lists just like it's nothing. And, I mean, I know this is a high-profile athlete, but, I mean, like, you know, you want to be sensitive to both parties, but nothing's happening right now. Like, you know, you want to make thing it I'll say for that Royal real quick is that um, the one difference I can see in that case is I think those ones were when there was video evidence like of like, you know, the domestic violence, different things to get on the case. And that's more like it was in the public. You could clearly yeah. see the thing. And I think if something similar happened to Sean's case, like there was a video of one of these sessions going on, mm-hmm. I think you'd find himself a commissioner exemplist pretty quickly. Um, but well, well, what about Robert Kraft and them? Uh, what about Robert Kraft, though? I mean, hey. Or you can spend I mean, a lot of money to make that video never come out. <laughs> I got you. I got you, bro. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and listening to the Two Shades of Blue podcast today. Uh, thank you for our co-hosts, Ben Redlinger and Terrence Hatchett. Man, we love y'all, man. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next week. We out of here.